Fancy is not a good enough player to play in Europe. Well, what's fucking stupid, isn't it? Okay, here we go. I don't even know how we fucking start this. And we're like, hello and welcome <laughs> <laughs> to Away Days at Home, a football podcast. I'm David. <laughs> you may talk, Andy. <laughs> well, I, thought, I thought you'd introduce me. Right, okay. I think this on. is perfect, actually. Right, we'll just keep it going. Well, that's Andy. Hello, Andy. <laughs> Hi, Andy. Uh, and uh, this is our first ever episode, if you can't tell. Um, we're, we're trying to make a little podcast. And why? Well, because we're in our late 30s and this is what white middle class men do nowadays. Make podcasts. But on a serious note, we're making the podcast because the title of the, the podcast itself, Away Days at Home, is because our football teams are very far away from where we reside. I am in sunny London. And my team's Glasgow Rangers. Yeah, and I'm in even sunnier Oslo, and my team's Southampton. So I think Andy wins in the kind of air miles points for that. <laughs> I've oh, not got too many air miles recently, though. Well, Southampton has big Norwegian connections, does it not? Yeah, yeah we've had a, we had a few players Eagle. over the years, yeah. Big uh, Eagle yeah, big, yeah, big Austin stat. That's something we've got in common. Yeah, uh, Klaus the the main one though really um yeah. captain for i don't know best part of a decade the podcast itself is just us want to have a reason to chat about football chat to each other and on the flip side we're out of our respective bubbles in terms of the local media the fans or the usual kind of crap that bubbles up over it i don't know about you but i kind of I fall into it on Twitter, and then I spend half my time trying to catch up with what are they talking about. I don't understand. Yeah, it's easy to easy to fall behind um, when you're not sort of in it day to day. It's definitely one thing I miss is just being able to like catch up with with people that sort of know the ins and outs of the 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 really minute details of the football club because. Over here, I might get a pass in. Oh, you know, unlucky on the weekend. Oh, you lost again. And that's about the extent of the knowledge of, of Southampton. Some, some of them don't even realise. Yeah, it's, it's a nice opportunity to talk through that minute detail that no one really other than myself cares about. And then in terms of the how these podcasts are going to go, we don't know. Don't have a clue. We've got some form of agenda that we're going to try and stick to in this, but we'll just we'll see we'll see where we end up. <laughs> right. Whoosh jingle Whoosh. on this day. <laughs> we'll get one of those eventually. But what was really yeah. interesting is apparently I could be completely wrong, but twenty five years ago today was the start of the Premier League season, which in my mind is quite late being Scottish. But the seventies and I thought this year this year a normal Premier League start that we were later yeah I, I don't know I should know but I don't know well anyway 25 years ago today David Beckham scored against Wimbledon from the halfway line that was 25 years ago 25 years ago and you know how he was up, like the up and coming wonder kid when that goal was scored yeah he was 21 which hang on so David Beckham's 46 years old yeah no I'm just but oh. if he was 21 then and he was seen as a kid, it just shows you... I, but if he was 21 and seen as like a wonder kid, 
and then you compare it to now where 21 seems doesn't seem that young for a midfielder to make their debut no it doesn't if typically if you've not made it by the age of 21 now you're unlikely to really get too much of a chance some players have whole careers by that point Jack Wiltshire is gone (laughs) (laughs) Um, but who did he score into do you remember Ah, oh, must have been Neil Sullivan. Famous, yeah, famous Scottish goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what he's most famous Absolutely for? Floundering. Yeah, that and that lob. Um, but then somehow this has ended up to Man United. That's nine years ago today, Van Persie signed for Man United. Nine years. I would have thought it's longer. Obviously, it's not. Yeah. But yeah. See, yeah, but for me, it was when it was like nine years. Like only nine years ago, but. Yeah, nine years ago. Uh, lots happened though in, in that, that period. period of time. <laughs> I was going to say, they've had Fergie, they've had Moyes. Van Hal. Um, Van Hal, Mourinho, Solskjaer. If you put those names down on a piece of paper nine years ago, which one would you probably say would have the shortest reign? Well, I think even Moyes. You reckon? Even I think then. people would have gone Solskjaer. Yeah. Yeah, but I think if you put them down and said, then what order will these people appear at the club? I think <laughs> yeah. that kind of makes sense. I, think I would have put Mourinho before. I think Mourinho would have been the only guy that could step in. Moisey for Ferguson's shoes. I think he had a big enough ego that he would have took it on. Yeah. But, yeah, nine years ago, he signed. That's crazy. That's um, unbelievable. And then on this day today, it's the German Super Cup. Dortmund play Bayern, which they're classing as like some sort of Herd Muller or Gerard Muller or however you want to pronounce it, tribute. So a piece okay. today about um, all the strikers like that honour them in the German league. But it's been an interesting game. But I don't know if I, I don't know if Germans take the, the Super Cup in any form seriously. I wonder if it's like the charity shield. Yeah, I, I I think it might be taken a, a touch more seriously than the charity shield because I mean that that's really Mickey Mouse in in England. But uh, a game between those two as well, even in a friendly, to be honest, is going to be there's something up for grabs. Should be good. And then Harlan get he get two the week two the weekend and oh, yeah two the weekend and two, two assists three assists. Something. Yeah, two and two I think. Yeah, because yeah. five goals they scored. Yeah, they're on fire so far after I don't know two games, but yeah, they're looking good. That's, that's it. That's my facts. That was the only facts I could rustle up for today, the 17th of August. I'll try, I'll try and find you some better ones in, in future weeks. Right, if you're the next episode, you do that. Got it. Um, right, well, let's let's jump into league football. Shall we start with the champions of 55 league titles, the Scottish Premier League champions, Glasgow Rangers? Let's do it. Well, where do you want to start? Because it's been an eventful couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if you know, on a non-playing sense, there's big uproar in Scotland. So the league finally got a sponsor. The SPFL are absolutely useless. And their main administrator, their chief exec, um, Neil Doncaster, gets paid like 450 grand a year and couldn't get his league sponsor last season. Then it was announced in big fanfare that he brought us this new league sponsor, Cinch, who sponsor the English cricket team, and they're also like a, I think a shirt 
sleeve sponsor of Spurs and people like this, and they've got old Rylan Clark, who's big teeth, you know, the ads. And after the first Rangers game of the season at home and that, it was noticeable that there was no cinch material in Ibrox or behind the players. And even when they were giving interviews, no cinch. And it turned out that uh, Rangers objected to them being made sponsors of the league because of commercial arrangements. Long story short, legally there's clauses in the contract that say any member club can stop that happening if there's a conflict of interest because it's got to be the league's in place for the members. Then they, they dive into the, the details of the deal and it's worth absolute pennies to each club. Oh, interesting. I think each club, if they're lucky, I don't have the, the exact stats in front of me, but I think each club is lucky if they get like 65 grand a year as part of the sponsorship. Spurs get 10 million for the sleeve sponsorship. Cinch would be on, Cinch would be on the Rangers sleeve as part of the badge. They would be key branding and Rangers have went absolutely, this is a terrible deal. Yeah, and of the I think it's either it's either five million or ten million pounds this season, SPFL deal, the SPFL outsourced it to an agency, and the agency <laughs> got paid five hundred grand for finding the sponsorship, <laughs> which is more than what the clubs get. So Rangers are the big bad guys again, in the Scottish League. Oh, once again, the, the pantomime villain. So it's going to a SFA hearing. <laughs> Let's try and clear it up. But that kind of deflects the attention away from the fantastic last three games, the well, last three games prior to Friday, where Malmo, Swedish champions, beat us 2-1 away from home. And then we took them back to Ibrox, took the lead, 1-0, big Alfie, Buffalo, Morelos comes in, scores, brilliant, everybody's excited. Then before the end of the half, Malmo get a player sent off, midfield, 10 men, what could possibly go wrong and everything did go wrong and we just switched off. We just completely shat the bed. Two balls. Two the exact the same player twice, just turned. Literally just turns his man and just shoots. First time outside the box, second time, balls played in and he just turns Balligan as if he's not even there. In a rebound and he just slots it past. And that was it. Dead on my feet. The incre- the incredible thing about about those two European games is just how identical the complete capitulation was. Um, and I'm sure you'll probably have a bit more insight into it than what I will, but you just think about Steven Gerrard as a player and that mentality. If something goes wrong, he's going to make sure it doesn't happen again, let alone have it happen again in exactly the same fashion against the same team. It's kind of, it's sort of incredible to see it. I couldn't believe it in that second game when I saw those two goals Last season we were resilient, we were the opposite of what we'd been the season before, where we mentally kind of crumbled. And then last season, unbeaten in the league, a couple of the, the cup games kind of caught us out, which was really disappointing. But 50,000 50, back at Ibrox, first time, place was bouncing. Like People were doing anything they could to get a ticket. Ah, it's bizarre. We had Helen on the first leg, they sent a half. Wasn't it bad? It was a great, but wasn't it bad? Dropped them, put Balogun in, and we've been resting players in the league for the European games. And that bit is in the arse when Dundee United beat us. We just never had the intensity, and it just it just wasn't happening. And then we dropped players for this game, and they look rusty coming back in. And you're kind of thinking, like, what's happened with our pre-season here? Why why have we ended up in this stage? Granted, Malmore, what, 15? I think it's like 15 games into this season. They're going to have the sharpness and stuff. But at the same time... We should 
by all accounts, we be beating them. We shouldn't be. Not at home, too, what, 1-0 up, getting beat off 10 men. We lost the second half, 2-0. Yeah, that one was the biggest surprise thing, wasn't it? The just the way that that kind of fell apart, and I don't know. You like you mentioned resilience, and I think that's definitely what you had last season. And I, I don't know how many games you lost in all competition last season, but it can't be far off this season when you compare the two. Pretty much, we've never lost. I don't think we've ever lost three games back to back under Gerard, as far as I'm aware. We're back to mm. usual stomping ground, the Europa League, with the playoff on Thursday. Um, and I've kind of been I've been that busy with other stuff, but I've been kind of dejected by the European scene. So it was only I looked it up finally. The Bears, like, right? Who are we? I know they're a weird name team from somewhere. That was it. And so it's the famous Armenian champions, Alashkert. Who obviously every, everybody knows them. Um, oh yeah, we all know them. We have a couple of Brazilians in their team because, of course, they do. <laughs> How these Brazilians get permits, I never know. Like in these outside <laughs> destinations, uh, they were champions of the league last season. Won it a few times. They're also the first ever team from Armenia to play in a European group stage. That's guaranteed now because whoever loses this drops into this new UEFA Intertotal Cup hybrid conference or whatever it's called, the like Europa Conference or something. Yeah, this thing went completely by me. I I had to read up on it the other day. I've absolutely no idea what it is. Yeah, I don't like. It's just it's more money. But the, the sickening thing for us is the money, the Champions League money versus Europa League is there's a big difference. You're talking yeah. about like, I think minimum for a team from Scotland anyway about ten million, fifteen million. But it seems that the conference in the Europa League. It's not that big a drop between the two. So take from that what you okay. will. Is it still a Thursday night thing know. or is it? Again, uh, I've not even looked. Again, I've not even looked into it because I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, you want to stay clear of it probably more than anything else. However, they did. They have played. Al- Alice Kerr have played a Scottish team before, which I only found out. They are the Armenian conquerors of St. Johnston, who drew um, last last week with uh, Galatasaray. Oh, they've come a long way. Yeah, that was a, that? That was an incredible game, actually. Um, I know they lost the, the yeah. second leg, but like it's a, it's a strong effort to take Galatasaray yeah. that far. One each, um, but they got beat off mm. them in 2015. So it'll be an interesting game. We should, we're at home Thursday night, 8pm. It should be a... We don't get there and absolutely smack them. Then I don't know when. We'll yeah, I guess uh, there'll be questions asked about Gerard um, if you don't get past past that that match. I think. Which is bizarre. like those qualifiers we lost against Malmo are the first time we've lost a, a European qualifier under Gerard. It's... So there's a lot of just a lot of strange stuff going on at the start of this season. But we then go out Friday night, um, League Cup. And pumped on Fairman 5 now, 4 0 up within 40 minutes. That's the response you want. We had Bassey come. That's what you want. You want to see a kind of bounce. And we had Bassey come in. Um, Calvin Bassey, English left back, young guy, replacing Barisic, who's been kind of slow starting the season. Hadji started again. He he looked sharp in the first game and then took a really bad knock tackle against the uh, Livingston. After he he got a goal, um, he came in. 
I'm a, I think Hadji, I think last season was massively underrated for us by the fans. The amount of assists and touches and what he what he brings to the team. I think people think he's going to be like his dad, but he's not, obviously. He's just very... His touch is amazing, two-footed. He'll always look up and play the ball, play that pass. He's very much like if me playing FIFA <laughs> with the triangle, okay. but just through ball, through ball. Um, I don't think I've seen too much it. of him. I think and when then, when I saw any Rangers games over the last couple of years, he was he tended to be injured. I don't know if that was a coincidence or if he's uh, spends a bit of time in the treatment room. I think it's just he, no, he takes the knocks. He's a physical player; he can take them. Um, he doesn't shirk from them. Um, he's just, he's very good. I like him. I think this will be a big season for him. I think the the fact that he would have started every game mm. had he not been injured. I think the team's kind of gearing up for that. Kamar Ruf, he'd missed the game at the weekend um, previous uh, Dundee United because his kid took really unwell and had to go to hospital. Thankfully, they're okay now. And then he was suspended from the European Games because of his high boot incident. Of course, yeah, that, that was... Uh, that whatever happened with that? Um, he got, I think he got four games, three games, four game suspension, but it was it was accidental. He definitely wasn't trying to take the guy's face off. Because it was a huge aftermath, but wasn't there, on the on the pitch and all sorts of things. Yeah, he's went, he's went, the balls came over the top and he's went for it with his leading leg and the keepers came rushing out and he's caught the goalkeeper yeah. on like the 20 yard mark. If he'd been, if he'd been Van Persie, he'd have done a diving <laughs> header in the top corner. But, Unfortunately, no. So he's he's got a couple. Looked really sharp. I think it's really encouraging. Bassey's been working on his set piece in on his set piece, but his delivery of the ball from the wing, which is how we play with Tav and, and Bonner running down the wing, whipping the ball in, and the ball Hadji scored, and he could have missed. Bassey runs down, and he just the the way the the, moment, the the momentum of the ball, he just wraps his foot around it, Bassey, and it's an unbelievable cross. Right on his head, and so I think that was encouraging. We needed it. We needed it to come out and kind of go a bit all guns blazing. But as much as it's still early days, it's weirdly the pressure. This pressure is nice because that that means we're back. Rangers are back because this me growing up all through my life, there was always this intense pressure when Rangers would get knocked out of Europe, then get beaten a cup or get beaten the league, and then it's like, oh my god, right. We need, to, we need to start doing it or the league's lost. You would build momentum that way. So we've got that. We play these Armenians twice. In between, we've got Ross County away, which will be a tricky one. And then after the away leg, we have to fly back, recover, and then we play Celtic. At All right, so you've got a big few weeks coming uh, up. Massive. It will define the season. So you, this is what I mean. It's the usual. August. We're defining the season in August, Scottish football. Um, and then Celtic, I'll briefly touch on them to give a recap. They've got Luke Carpenter in as a manager, straight from Lassiter's. Um, and if you don't know what that is, they've, they've hired Ange Postacoglu Post from Japan, the Aussie Greek. I feel I apparently need to hyphenate that because that seems to be what all the press do. The Aussie Greek manager. Um, they've signed... Uh, Japanese striker who, on off the back of his hat trick against the mighty Dundee at Celtic Park, 
is now apparently worth 30 million. <laughs> I love how that happens. Um, so it's been quoted in the papers. So it's it's been an exciting start for them. It seems like they've turned a corner. They're the greatest team on earth again. Rangers are in turmoil. And it seems they've only not conceded goals once so far. Um, well, against Dundee and then against the European opposition. But Hearts in the Cup, it seems, took two off them. I've not watched it, but it seems Starfelt is more like <laughs> Arsfelt. He, he's got the turning circle of like a cruise liner. But we'll wait and see. So it'll be exciting. They seem to want to attack. Our defence seems to want to ship goals. Their defence wants to ship goals. We want to attack. So it should be a high scoring 4 4. Plenty to talk about that in the next episode, anyway. So, enough enough about our woes. <laughs> What's happening? With the oh, yeah, we Saints? can go from, from your woes to mine, I think. Uh, I spent most of the summer trying to ignore all of the um, sort of hysteria around the fact that we were selling all of our players. Uh, all of our all of our players worth keeping, I should say. Um, and I was trying to remain positive. I think I'm always over-optimistic with Southampton. I always think we're going to do better than we are. Um, I, I don't know if, if that's just um, uh, sort of the, the fan in me coming through or if it's, um, yeah, or, you know, I see something each season that I think, oh, maybe maybe we've got a chance. Maybe there's something that can, can happen for us this year. But, yeah, within... Within what fifteen minutes of the second half against Everton, that that kind of all fell apart, and I saw the Southampton of last season, the the one dimensional, have a good first half and then fall apart in the second half. The the, the inability to to hold a lead is scary. Um, how it didn't relegate us last season, I, I don't know. Um, it could relegate us this season. Um, I listened to the fans forum uh, with manager Ralph Hasenhutl. Um, uh, maybe a week or so ago, where he he answered a, a call from a, one of the one of the fans that called in. Who was uh, the question was about the um, the quality of the defence and what we can do about the organisation this year. And uh, Ralph said, you know, all through preseason, we've been working on the positioning, we've been working on defensive coordination. We know we shipped too many goals last year. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is this is promising. Um, that was a, about ten minutes after he just said, "There's absolutely no way we're selling James Ward-Prowse." And I thought, you know, things are looking up here. Maybe maybe my optimism isn't misplaced. But we had a reasonable first half against Everton, and then that second half we just fell apart. We backed off and backed off and backed off. Dropped deeper, deeper, deeper. Mistakes are made. Defense fell apart. Lose three one. And I'm sat there thinking, this is exactly the same as last year. And I'm wondering. If Ralph reckons he worked on the positioning through preseason, why is it looking the same as it was last season? The communication as well between defence and goalkeeper, absolute shambles. And then I'm thinking, well, if he's got that wrong and he thinks that's something he's covered, maybe he's got it wrong that Ward Browse is staying as well. Because if if he's wrong on that, we're in big trouble. He's the the last of a decent batch of senior players we've got, and we really need to keep hold of him. Alice McCarthy, which surprised me more than anything, because I mean, you you know, I'm not a big fan of Fraser Forster, and uh, as soon as anyone works out that bike can't dive down to his left uh, at any sort of speeds, then then we're in trouble. But he's far more capable goalkeeper than Alex McCarthy. McCarthy just makes so many horrible errors. Forster's at least a decent keeper; he's just a bit slow. 
but it, it does surprise me that, that Ralph's sort of backing McCarthy over Foster, but sorry, Forster, but also backing those two as our senior keepers. I'm really surprised we've not tried to sign someone else, but well, I'm half surprised because we don't like to spend any money unless there's some coming in. So uh, yeah, very unlikely that we'll be getting a new goalkeeper in. So yeah, for fans of other Premier League teams, if anyone's bothered to tune in, um, uh, enjoy enjoy your trip to St Mary's and enjoy enjoy us visiting you as well because there'll be goals. Who's the? Yeah, it's four two right. two two formation that he insists with, and it's um when it when it works it looks good, but uh, when when it fails, which seems to be the majority of the time, it, it's it, it, there's just clear holes in it. Um, we leave huge gaps on the pitch, like if we're if we're dropping deep as well, we we have quite. You tend to find a big gap down the down the line, and if you're playing against a team like Everton, who just want to put the ball on the head of Dominic Calvert Lewin, you're just inviting trouble. Um, funnily enough, that wasn't really where they uh, where where they cut us apart. We sort of cut ourselves apart through defensive errors. But yeah, this this four two. Two two is I'm I'm not sold on it. Um, again, if you drop deep, you leave your strikers up top. There's a huge gap between midfield and, and, and attack, um, and then you need one of your attackers to drop back, and that's not their natural way of playing. Like it worked for Danny Ings, who was very good at doing that. Maybe Armstrong will will learn it in time. But one thing you don't have in the Premier League is time. You need to hit the ground running, or you're in big trouble. And I do fear a bit for Ralph. I, I quite like the guy. Um, you know, he's got all the enthusiasm. He's done some great things as well for us on the pitch, but I think, yeah, time might be running out a little bit for him unless he finds a plan B. Oh, well, here's me thinking we were in crisis. You're one game in. <laughs> yeah, one, one game, against, I know. You've got, well, at least you'll get three points in the next fixture. Yeah, yeah, it's a casual game at home to Man United. I genuinely fear they're going to absolutely pump us. Um, and I said that uh, before we hosted them last time. I know maybe we didn't host them, maybe it was Old Trafford. Either way, I said I thought we'd get pumped. That young lad from Switzerland got sent off after about two minutes and we lost 9-0 for the second time in 12 months. I'm not saying it's going to be 9-0 next weekend, but I don't think it'll be too far away. Well, United, United are looking sharp. For the start of the season, the way they came out, and then Pogba looks like he's... He's kind of went to, went to work with a France jersey on. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it wasn't the Paul Pogba of Man United that turned up against Leeds. It was very much the Paul Pogba of, of France. It was uh, four assists, I think, he got. And his range of passing in the game as well was something else. Like, even if he wasn't hitting the assist, it, it just his ability to find a player was quite incredible. I remember one pass he put across to Luke Shaw. I don't even know if he looked at him before he played it. And it was, it was just, he had one of those games. And you think if if they've got him in that sort of formal season, they're going to be right up there with the rest of them. It gets a feeling that the France, he's not a, he's not the, the focal point of the team as such. Yes, he's a phenomenal player for them, but he's surrounded by really good players who all do their job and let him do his job as what he is. Whereas in the past, it feels like United have tried to make Paul Pogba into this ultimate midfielder that can win, do it all for them and win it all. And it never it never comes off. And any time he's had a good game, it's been when he's been given support and there's a role. And he just, it's almost like, right, you do what you need to do. We've got you over here. And then that's when, it's in games when he doesn't have that support. It's probably, you could probably correlate it with the Sunnis rants. 
of when it's <laughs> when it's Paul Pogba all action midfielder. Yeah, it just that's work. very true. Yeah, he's he's not he's not that player. You need to just let let him let him have his time on the ball, play the game through him, allow him to allow him to find that that range of passing that he's got. And um, I think one thing they did against Leeds is they sort of freed up Fernandez a bit more. Bruno Fernandez was playing so far forward; he was he was practically sat next to Greenwood up front, and he just had this sort of free roll along the front line. And it was there must have been sort of you know music to Pulper's ears, I think, because. Fernandez would make the run and Pogba knew where he's going to go and he just he just put it on a plate for him. It was fantastic to watch. Uh it's one of the most dynamic Man United performances I've seen in a long time, I think. And they're gonna be if they can play like that every week, they're gonna be really, really good to watch and they definitely will be up there come the end of the season. It's, it's weird because last season I don't know, maybe it's because I was focused on Scotland, but the Premier League, like reading reading before the kickoffs this week, like our oh, second place finishes Man United. And I'm like, what? They did. They did. They're quite far behind in the end. But yeah, no, they, yeah. I mean, they, they earned their second place and hats off to them. I think there's a lot of people aren't big fans of Solskjaer and question his sort of ability tactically. And I, I, I can understand that. But I think had he won any trophy, even one of the you know lesser trophies that were on... Uh, on offer for him, I, I think people will take him a bit more seriously, and I, I think he's done some good things there. And he was brought into that football club to bring some identity back to Man United and, and make players, you know, understand the pride of playing for that football club, like like Ferguson had, sort of flowing through the veins of, of that club in the, you know, twenty or thirty years that he was there. And I think you're starting to see a little bit of that come through now. I think there's a lot of respect for Solskjaer at the club, and um, I don't know, maybe I'm slightly biased because I'm. I'm I'm sat in his native country and uh, I'm seeing him on the front page of the press every day. But I, I do, I do think he's doing a decent job. Um, but this season, for me, is the the one that defines him. He's just been handed a nice, long, shiny contract, which I think if he sees out, he'll become the second or third longest serving Man United manager of all time, which is pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I think this season he's he's got to win something. I don't yeah. think it matters too much what it is, but he's got to win a trophy. He, he should have won the Europa League last year, and they, you know, they 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 cocked it up against against Villarreal uh, in the final. Um, but yeah, he's he's come close, but he's he's got to he's got to win into silverware this year. Well, maybe you can put a dent in it. Game two, match day two. I love it, but uh, yeah, don't hold your breath. Newly promoted teams. So who have we got? We had Brentford come up. There was Norwich, the usual yep. usual suspects, and who was the third one again? Watford, Watford, Watford. Yeah, you have a couple of yo-yo clubs there, really, in Watford and Norwich. And yep. I, I always like to see Norwich back up. They're always good entertainment, but they never never quite have enough to sort of, you know, be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. Watford. Yeah, very much the same. I've never been a huge fan of Watford. The, the team changes so much. I don't think there's too much identity in that football club. Was... Wait, I've been I've been at Vicarage Road and it was getting done up. I think Zola was manager. They had Amunia and goals. <laughs> yeah. They got beat 1-0. It was one of the dullest games. Oh, it was such a terrible mistake. I was asked by somebody I worked with. He, he was a season ticket holder. He's like, I've got a spare ticket. Do you want to go? And I was like, sure. Like, He's like, I'll pick you up. We'll drive up, and I was like, "Okay," um, and I was skint. And the night before, I'd obviously been out and woke up the next day and had no food in the fridge, and stole a couple of my flatmate at the time's 
digestive biscuits and I put peanut butter on them, <laughs> which was the biggest mistake for a car journey you've ever had. Yeah. And then I'd left, and then to make it worse, I left my bank card in my jacket that I didn't take. I never even had anything at all, no money on me. And then I'd say a friend from work, he was a like a very loose acquaintance friend who just offered me because he knew I liked football. So I couldn't even ask him for like a tap of like a fiver to buy a coat. And so I sat and watched one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. I think Almunia <laughs> had an own goal for his legs. It was freezing because half the stadium was gone. And then we drove back in silence because I was just I was so tired and so dehydrated. So Watford hold no place in my heart. <laughs> Good experience at Vicarage Road then. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Almunia's former club, Arsenal, were the ones that uh, travelled to to Brentford, who were the the third of the promoted clubs, and that was a that was a cracking game to kick off the Premier League season. I, I thoroughly like enjoyed Brentford, watching that. Big Brent, big Brentford fan in terms of what they've done. I think the the whole yes, he's a a multi multi millionaire, the guy that bought them, but he was a fan. And he bought them off the back of his success, and then went all moneyball. And like the system works, he's yep. won Danish titles doing it, and now he's done it. He's got his his, his local club into the prem and built them a new stadium. And it's so someone like- had to take the whole money ball strategy and do something good with it because there are clubs that have tried it and just not really got it right. Whereas Brentford, you can sort of see what they're building there, and some of the players they've brought in out of nowhere really have turned out to be unbelievable. It's a system. It's a system that works for them. It obviously wouldn't work for everybody, but fair play to them. And then they, they obviously they bought Ayer from Celtic, um, who played centre half. He's Norwegian, isn't he? Ayer. He is Norwegian. Um, yeah. But he plays predominantly centre half in Celtic. But I'm biased, obviously. But he's not a centre half. He's a type of centre half. He's like six foot, six foot something. He's one of those centre halves that seems to jump and half the time shrink. Just like what's going on, but he <laughs> yeah. was very good for them coming out the back with the ball and making that, runs. He's wanted, I think. So they've put him, he started right back, and I would say that's probably where his best position is because he, he's so athletic. He's still a big guy, get can break down the wing, can bring the ball out without jeopardizing the central of defence. Do you know what I mean? That centre hold. Yeah, spot. I, get, I get what you're saying. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of players like that. I think there's a, that, the, the big fellow, um, Dan Byrne for Brighton, um, had a good season or so, sort of playing that role at left-back, I think. And he's a, he's a big fella, really tall guy. He doesn't even look the most mobile, but he did a good job for exactly the same reasons you just mentioned. Um, probably a little less athletic than I am, but... Um, yeah, it's, it can be done. You can play the big man down the down the down the fullback positions, but you don't see it too much. No, so I, w- I wonder if he'll stay there. But that game on Friday night, it's uh, it leads nicely onto the what I want to make a wee section called AFTV watch because is there anything more enjoyable <laughs> than when Arsenal going to meltdown on game one? Um, but I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what he's, I don't know what Arteta's strategy is with that club. And I it's don't not think like, anyone knows. The, all it? the fans I've spoken to have just they they they're clueless. They I, I, by that I mean like they literally have no idea what what the plan is. And you could see you you had that feeling when you're watching the game. You're thinking, what like what are they trying to do it? I don't know. Like other than give the ball to Kieran Tierney and let him bomb down the line and then cross to nobody in the box. I don't. I honestly don't know what they were what the game plan was. What, ha- what happened with this? 
what happened with Aubameyang like is it that they were both missing they both suddenly yeah. got ill and they're, they're going to be out the next illness. game as well illness yeah very strange that because it was announced quite late on match day as well it was, there was no rumour about it or anything in the, in the days building up to the match that's a real weird one you wonder if something else has happened there but it'd be strange for, for two people to sort of mysteriously go missing you see it with one when you know someone stepped out of line and all of a sudden they've got an illness but not two very strange so maybe you know benefit the, the doubt maybe they the, are real the twitter rumor mill was all saying it was oh the developer uh and all this kind of stuff but yeah i don't I, I think he must be kind of be far from losing that dressing room because he's i know bellerin and all that went away as well like and then they had that thing where um what's his name who was meant to be off to Italy, but then wouldn't accept the terms. So rather than lose him on a free next season, they signed him to a long-term deal. Zaka, <laughs> um, at Arsenal, and you're just you think what what he, what he's doing? I don't understand. And the whole relationship with Edu is the like the director of football operations mm. or whatever. But then he only buys certain players from certain agents. Who is also his agent. It's an absolute mess of a team, and the identity of Arsenal is gone. Like I don't know what that team is meant to achieve, and why they spent fifty million on probably the third best centre back at Brighton. I'll never know. <laughs> yeah, that was a it was a baffling move. That one. There's been a a lot of hype around Ben White, and Ben White could well develop into a very good footballer, but. Um... I, I thought his first season in the Premier League was quite underwhelming. And if you speak to some Brighton fans, they'll they'll tell you that he wasn't their best centre-back last season. So, yeah, it was a strange signing. And it maybe is one thinking like a bit further ahead. But, yeah, I think Arsenal are in, Arsenal are in big trouble. They um, Like I said, the, the complete lack of any sort of game plan on the pitch. And I'm sure Arteta will tell you that he had one. I mean, of, of course he will. But, I mean... He's it's another example of a young manager that's not ready to to manage a big club. Mikel Arteta might turn into a very good manager one day, but you know there's a lot to be said for going and sort of earning your uh, earning your experience in in the lower leagues or in you know maybe a, a league abroad or something before trying to hand in the Premier League. Um, I, I I don't I, I think the writing's on the wall for him. If I'm being totally honest, they've got Man City and Chelsea in their next two games. Not sure in what order, but it, it, he's not likely to get many points out of them because I think they'll they'll be the two clubs sort of sat at the top of the league this season. I do think that he's a very good coach by all accounts from what yeah, yeah, Man absolutely. City players and that say about him. But it's the old um, growing up the Brian Kidd theory. Yeah, Brian Kidd left Man United to manage Blackburn Rovers, and he was. Woeful, absolutely woeful. And Arteta, ex Rangers player, played a season. We got him, I think we played against him when he was at PSG on loan. We signed him, he did a season, he scored the famous last minute penalty that won his league uh, against Dunfermline. But then the next season, he got really bad homesick from northern Spain. And so he had to go back to Spain. So we sold him, never made much money on him. And then within six months, he rocks up to Merseyside, um, which is, who knew? Liverpool was just like the Basque region of Spain. Uh, yeah, it's quite so, incredible, though, isn't it? So for us, we were always very much in the mindset that, and by us, I mean, like, my friends who are Rangers fans and that, that he's not the strongest mentally in terms of, because Glasgow's a, it's a goldfish bowl. 
And I think he had a season of it and was like, you know what, nah, I'm out, can't be bothered with this. And that's fine. And since then, his career path kind of took him places. But he was Arsenal captain. And, like, what did that say about Arsenal at the time? Because to me, he wasn't a leader. He wasn't a cajoler. He wasn't a man that would run through walls for the team. No, the absolutely. Liked him. They respected him. And then when he came in, his manager, again, I looked at it and I thought, that's a very odd appointment. I don't think he's a man that I think he would do well in maybe a foreign league. I don't think he's suited to what he's taking on here, especially the challenges that Arsenal present. And, yeah, Conte's been linked now massively. There's a big swell of support to get Conte in. It would cost them a fortune to do that. Um, I mean, Tottenham thought they had him until they realised what it was going to cost. Uh, I think Tottenham and Arsenal were probably not too far apart in terms of the sort of money they're willing to spend on on managers, so I, I can't see that happening. I also can't see why Conte would want to go to Arsenal. That's way yeah. too much of a job for him. Conte normally goes into club that's pretty well established and you know well, he he going to be challenging Inter was a big one he did well at Inter yeah that's true but they they were sort of on their way up anyway and I mean the guy was given some money to spend let's yeah. be honest he bought in Lukaku um, for for a lot of money um, so yeah I, I, I agree but I, I think yeah Con, Conte often goes to a club where it's sort of semi-made for him and Arsenal was way too much for a project I guess that's one of the problems they've got and is maybe why they went for Arteta in the first place is you know they can't attract the big name managers maybe they Not just anymore. don't want to pay yeah they just don't want to pay for it yeah, they, they there's that pay. as well of course because god if they kind of keep going to what, what hope is there <laughs> for anybody well on that let's we can shift over to transfer corner I don't even know why I called it what, transfer corner. Like, yeah, I don't think that's me... a phrase that's ever been used. <laughs> well, I was just, I was just shuffle over at the corner, shuffle noise, um, and we can kick off. Well, there's two sagas. We can either kick off with the London, North London saga, or we can kick off with the the PSG Messi one. Like both of them, I'm kind uh... of bored of already, but. What do you want to go yeah, with? Let's, let's, let's start with Messi. I think we can wrap this one up pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, Barcelona are an absolute shambles, complete mess. They just released their finances saying they're, I don't know what it is, 1.2 billion euros in debt. No wonder they can't keep hold of Lionel Messi. But I don't really understand his his uh, his, his, his Oscar-winning performance in that press conference where he burst into tears saying, you know, how upset he was about having to leave. If if he really wanted to stay there, he could have just taken a bigger wage cut. But he couldn't. Um, he couldn't even. He couldn't even get him for free because the league wouldn't believe it. That was the irony of it. <laughs> that's but, that's ridiculous. If they prove they proven that they could balance the books by doing it, then you know if 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 it was really all about the club and not the money for him, he would have stayed. But let's be honest, and I don't blame him necessarily. I just I don't like hearing someone say one thing when they actually mean another. But, he, you know, he's a footballer. He's a professional footballer. He wants to make all the money he can while he can still play. He's got plenty of money already. But, I mean, what a payday you get from going to Paris Saint-Germain on a couple of years. He's getting paid, apparently, in um, crypto as well. Oh, really? Fan tokens. I never read the article because I was like, I don't care. But he's apparently <laughs> taking a percentage of his wage in crypto. 
And I'm like, of course he is. He could take a percentage of his wage and like in candy floss. The guys get money <laughs> coming out everywhere. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that team plays. Um, yeah, it will be. I think there's um, is it got to be the most successful transfer window of free transfers. I think any club has ever had. They signed Messi, uh, Vinaldum from Liverpool, uh, Sergio Ramos from Real Madrid, and then uh, Donnarumma from AC Milan. All on free transfers. Granted, they're on big salaries, but when you can offset that with not having to pay a transfer fee for these guys, it's a, it's smart business from from PSG. It's really clever. Um, it, you know, and who's going to bet against them winning the Champions League now? Well, it's football manager stuff, isn't it? From Fortuna, it really like, is. Like, just leaves Spurs, but he's never thought to piss in, and then goes there. Doesn't they never won the league though? Did they? They didn't. They, they lost, lost the league. to to Lille last season. Um, yeah, and so then he's like, right, fine. I'm going to hack it. I'm going to become manager of all these other teams and release all these players on free transfers. And then in my teams, I'll snap them up. Uh, let's see how it goes. But it could go the football manager way if you pick up all these superstar signings and you just morale is low and you kind of get them to jail as a, a unit. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see with the, the amount of egos that go on. Let's be honest. Like we're all hoping that that's exactly what happens. Yeah. I'd love to see that fall apart. Um, because it's yeah, it's not the way you want to see football go, and it's it's sad when you see all the best players like hoarded by one team. We saw it with Chelsea when they first got taken over by uh, Abramovich. We've seen it at Man City over the last few years as well. Real Madrid have been doing it ever since I can remember, and it's just it's boring. You want to see uh, you want to see the wealth of good talent sort of shared around, and uh, it'd be nice now if maybe Kylian Mbappe would leave and you know move over to another side. Well, he's he's still linked with Madrid. So yeah, that, I mean, you'd question if they can afford to buy anyone because if Barcelona's finances are as bad, no, they, they say did. Madrid's can't be far behind. No, they they balanced the books very well, unbelievably before COVID, and then when COVID hit, what Barcelona are doing now, Madrid did at the start of COVID, where they said to players, "Drop money, can we do this, can we do that?" Um, and they refinanced and stuff, and that. They've managed to come out of this quite squeaky clean compared to it's hard not to when your main rivals are in the shit show that they're in. But no, it'll be interesting. And then on that point, I just people snapping up the biggies. Man City, Harry Kane, no one cares anymore. I'd, I'd like, I don't care where he plays. I'd, I'd yeah, I know. Just, just get it done. Like, you know, I think this, the fact that it's still dragging on suggests that he's going to City. It seems almost impossible that he'll still be a Spurs player by the end of this month. I could be wrong. It's happened before. Players are trying to force their way out. The chairman's dug his heels in. But this feels like it's been going on for about three years now, really. I mean, I know the Man City thing's only been happening sort of this summer, but this hurricane's been trying to leave for a while. so much money. What is he, 28, 29? Uh, Yeah, I think, yeah, it's sort of 27, 28. He's in his peak, but he's had a few bad injuries. Um. Take the money. You're not. No one else has come. No one's coming anywhere close. And I'm, I'm sorry, any Spurs fans listening, but he's not winning you the league this season. So no, there is a hell of a lot more that Spurs need to improve on before they can win the league. That said, it was the probably the shock of the weekend for me was them beating Man City because I've I've given Spurs no hope for this season. Um, but that's you know fair play to them. That's a good result. Um, 
I doubt Pep would be too concerned. He's never too concerned about anything. But um, that that was a good result for them without Harry Kane as well, uh, ironically. But yeah, Spurs aren't winning the league whether they've got Harry Kane or not. On that part of the, the result, I thought the first 10 minutes was a, just a, a one-sided. It was a, just a, a battering of Spurs' yeah. defence. And then they kind of came back more into the game. Obviously, it was a counter-attack. How, how we, the defending's shocking. Like, Son should not get that shot away from the position he picks the ball up in to where no, he ends absolutely. up. But then you look at the starting lineup of Man City and it was a, like a B team. A lot of those players were the B team and the A team was on the bench, which was a, it was strange because I was kind of looking at it thinking, right, surely you're going to start Stones, surely you're going to start De Bruyne, surely you're going to have this kind of forward and Pep's puts faith in them. They've not done well. I think part of it was to do with the Euros as well. There's a lot of players that are only sort of just coming back into their club in the last couple of weeks, Stones being one of them. I think De Bruyne had a little bit of an injury as well. He, he wasn't expected to start the game. So there's a couple of them I'm not too surprised about. But yeah, it's uh, it's not, not the way you want to start your season with your better players on the bench. Next up, one for you, Andy. This shocked me. So obviously, you've sold... You'll pronounce his name better than me. Who was it you sold to Leicester, your centre-half? Uh, Yannick Vestergaard. Vestergaard. And so you need a replacement. You're obviously in market for one. You've got some cash to spend, as you said. You like to spend when you've, spent, you've got some in. And then I saw the name, and I was like, oh, fuck that. I don't know if you've seen this. Joel Warrell. Yeah, I've I've seen that link. Oh, mate. I, I, having had the pleasure of Joel Warrell on loan, um, Joe Worrell didn't want to sign permanently with us because he was too big for us um, after having played in the Europa League and <laughs> gifted so many goals away in the Scottish League he was too good um, and we were quite happy to see back of him in the end his arrogance kind of shone through which is a shame because I think when we picked him up on loan he was coming back from a bad injury and he's maybe 21 so now I think he's 24 now Mm. Um, and he's rated at 10 to 12 million, which is not like I get the English inflated values, but that is there's money, there's better, there's better players to spend that money on. Yeah, it's probably reflective of the, the league he's in. He's playing for a what sort of a mid to top level team in the championship. Um, and like you said, he's English, he's under 25. The fact that he's only ten million probably suggests that he's not really worth a focus. If he was, if he was any good, he'd be worth double that. Um, but that's why Southampton will be looking at him because we don't really like to spend money on um, on the up. transfers nor on the salaries. You've, you were saying like, yeah, the defense is the main worry, and like the goalkeeper obviously doesn't inspire confidence. And your centre halves are quite. And it sounds like organisation is something that you need almost leaders, someone to step up a wee bit and be like, right, get this stuff organised. Cahill's available on a free. Yeah, so this is something I've been talking to my sort of Southampton mates about this last week or so. It's the need for that that leadership at the back. And it's like we're crying out for it because uh, we, we really don't have anyone that can that can take that role at the moment. Um and Cahill's been mentioned, has been mentioned in the press a few times, and certainly around sort of all the fans' forums and Twitter and stuff online. Like Cahill's a name that keeps coming up. I just worry that he's a 
bit too slow now. I think I've seen him linked with a few championship clubs and I think that's where he might be better suited. Like, yes, he ticks the leadership box, but I I think his, his best days are well past him. And we're a club that's got a policy of not really signing players over 25. Like, there's a couple of exceptions, like signing of Danny Ings, for example. Um, but typically, we, we go for those, those younger players. And I just... I think Cahill might be quite a big salary as well. And you also question why Crystal Palace got rid of him. If he's not good enough for Crystal Palace, I don't particularly want to go yeah. near him, um, which also rules out the other name that I keep seeing thrown around, which is Scott Dan. Um, I used to like Scott Dan when he was a bit younger, but I think he got some bad injuries later in his career. And again, not the same player when he came back, but you never know. I mean, we've been linked with about 40 different centre-backs in the last week, and there's not too many of them where I think, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. One of ours is... Rangers centre half Connor Goldson, who played every game last season and has played every game this season so far, hasn't signed a new contract yet. His contract's up at the end of this season, I believe. And so there's a lot of kind of people's. Which, I don't know if you guys have something similar for Southampton fans, but there's the old Rangers Da, which is any old Rangers fans, and they're called Rangers Da's, as in. Babel, um, <laughs> and they'll have their opinion and they're of the mindset that oh, this is why he's playing crap this is why isn't he as usual because his head's turned he doesn't want to stay um, and so there's, there's a the... lot of rumours around him at the moment we would like him to sign a new contract I think if we yeah. got Champions League football it would have been a given and in the same only he's on two years left is Glenn Kamara who was linked with uh, Spartak Moscow who then later came out today and said, no, 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 we're not going for him. But he was linked for £10 million, which you can absolutely nah, sling your hook. You're not getting Glenn Kamara for £10 million. He's got <laughs> two years left in his contract. That boy is an absolute Rolls Royce of a player. Well, I think, um, yeah, it gets worrying when you get a player down towards the end of their contract and you never want to be in that position. And that that's, I mean, that that's, that's why we're in the position we're in now. That's why Vestergaard's gone. He didn't want to sign a new contract. He had a year left. So for 15 million quid, we've had to say goodbye to him. And don't get me wrong. Yannick Vestergaard is not a perfect centre-back. Um, he's, you know, honestly, he's only really had half a good season for Saints. He had a very, very dodgy start um, for us, but he turned it around and he came good and he, he was, he's a decent player and it's a shame to lose him. But, yeah, he's um, probably the best we had, but certainly not perfect. A couple more to go in transfer corner. It's a fucking big corner. Um, Tammy Abram <laughs> confirmed at Roma, 34 million. I think good signing. I think he'll do well out there. Yeah, this, this one's disappointed me a bit because... He's uh he looks he looks a good player and he's shown he can do it in the Premier League and the clubs that wanted to take a punt on him weren't able to match his salary expectations. So he was happy to well, maybe not happy to sit at Chelsea and and, and do nothing, but he was happy enough to, to to turn down what I understand was quite a decent offer from Villa, but I think he was after what, 130 grand a week or something like that. There's a lot for a, No, apparently he's on I think I read between 70 and 80 at Roma. Mm, that would surprise me. Um, maybe he's learned his lesson and knows he can't turn down a good offer when it comes along. And it'll be good to see how he develops out there. I, I have a slight worry about the fact he's playing under Mourinho. Mourinho does like to throw 
young players uh, under the bus when things go wrong. And let's be honest, Mourinho as a manager has, has proven a few times now that he's probably passed it. Maybe he's still good enough to do it in Italy. I don't know. But if things go wrong out there, I do worry that, yeah, Tammy might find himself uh, in the press for the wrong reasons. And, uh yeah, it would have been nice to see him stay in the Premier League. I think he's, I think he's a good player, and I know Southampton had a look at signing him on loan, but Chelsea were not interested in any sort of loan deals when they just spent the best part of 100 million quid on Romelu Lukaku. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a shame not to have him in the Premier League, but hopefully he flourishes and he can come back and play for a good team. I wouldn't mind betting Chelsea have got some sort of buyback clause in the yeah in the in the contract. 34, 34 million. I'm sure they would get yeah. something. In. I think then, so. It's just, I just hate seeing what they do with these young players. They buy up so many of them and most of them just never, never make it. Um, we've, we've signed two of their youngsters this, this season. One's gone straight into our uh, under 23s team. And um, yeah, the other started against Everton at right back on the, on the weekend. He was fantastic, actually. Just going back to that match, he was, uh, yeah, Tino, I'm going to get this wrong now. Livratino, I think it is. Um, uh, he's a he looks a real player. Um, can play left or right back. We played him right back instead of Carl Walker Peters, which sort of surprised a lot of people. But he looked head and shoulders above the rest of the players on the pitch for Saints. He's you can tell he's he's that kind of quality. And I'm not saying he's the same quality as Virgil Van Dyke, but we had the same feeling when Van Dyke was playing for us. You watch him on the pitch, and you're like, this guy should be playing for a better team than us. And obviously he now is, and it, it won't be long before Tino's off to a much better club than uh, than Southampton. We only paid five million quid for him. It could turn out to be one of the absolute bargains of the season. That's what you need to do, though, isn't it? It's finding those gems and then just yeah. kind of coming that round. There's some breaking transfer moves, apparently, um, trending that Madison and Arsenal is a goal. Yeah, apparently be kicking off. Um, which again, <laughs> just adds to what we were just saying. Like, yeah, they need that sort of player. And a couple of years ago, I might have thought it could be James Madison, but I, he's a very hit and miss kind of guy. And I just, I don't know. I I just get a bit of a bad vibe from him. I don't know if he's all that focused. And he's another one that's been in the press for the wrong reason a couple of times. And yeah, I'm not sure if he's what Arsenal need, but they do need someone to come in and fill that role because, like we said when we were talking about that match, aside from the left-back, Kieran Tierney, there was no creativity at all in that team. And then the last point is, again, Arsenal. They are signing, they want to sign Ramsdale from Sheffield United. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. I keep smiling well, it, it's just so funny. You know what? Maybe, maybe if he moves to Arsenal, he can make it three relegations in a row. Because he is... I mean, it blew my mind that he was part of the England setup. I, I've seen that guy play a lot in the last two years and no offence to him, but I, I really don't rate him as a Premier League goalkeeper. Um he look. You always have these goalkeepers that look good in the in the teams down the bottom because they're forced into making so many saves. But he really was at fault for so much, and he just he never looks comfortable. Um, yeah, but at Arsenal, it's way too big for him. I I don't see it happening. Although that rumor doesn't seem to be going away, so maybe there's a bit of truth in it. Well, come back to us next week. We'll have an update on that, and hopefully, hopefully. 
they've signed them and they've signed Madison. And oh, sat. I hope so because Arsenal <laughs> fan TV will be fantastic if that's the case. Hopefully, they make their debut against Chelsea next weekend. So, first week of the season in England, second week of, I don't know if it's second week or third week of the season in Scotland. It just never seems to stop. Predictions, first weekend. What do you well, reckon? Who, who's going down? Who's going down in the English League? <laughs> I want to say anyone but Southampton, but honestly, if we play 37 more games like we did in that second half against Everton, we'll be right down there. Um I think you always got to look at the promoted teams. Um, Brentford might have just enough to stay up. They're, they're quite unknown, and I don't think teams are going to find it easy to play against them. Similar to like Leeds last year, they don't have the quality of Leeds, but they've just got something about them that might keep them up. I, I, I do fear for Norwich a bit, not just because they lost 3 0, but they, they've not really invested in sort of the quality they need to stay up in the league. And they've lost their, their creative man, Buendia, from last season as well. He's obviously gone off Aston Villa for big money. Um, and you think, you know, there's still a bit of the transfer window left. If they were to lose, like, Todd Cantwell as well, maybe, they, they could be in a bit more trouble. They've got some promising young players coming through, but I think I think Norwich would be one of the three that drop. Um, Watford as well, I think, good result against Villa on the weekend, but I, I don't see Watford staying up. They did have a good defence last season, though, and I think if they can make that work in a Premier League, they'll, they'll have half a chance. And then I can't say Southampton because it just hurts me too much to, to put them in the bottom three. So I'd say it's probably out of Crystal Palace or Burnley. I think Burnley have done an incredible job. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. Burnley's manager has done an incredible job over the last few years. How he has managed time and time again to keep him up, I, I, I don't know because they run on such a... Uh, strict budget compared to every other Premier League team and I even include Saints in that like the, the amount of money he has to spend uh, Sean Dyche is, is, is tiny and he's, he's done a phenomenal job but I, I just think it might be one season too many for them but then on the flip side of it we'll have to see how well Patrick Vieira does at, at Palace because what a gamble that is bringing him in um, you've just released what is it 15 first team players or something stupid like that you need someone to bring in some stability you bring in a manager that's done half an okay job over in America and did a less than average job in the, in the French league. And uh, if I was a Palace fan, I'd be really worried about the season because that, that wouldn't fill me with confidence at all. They've brought in a few good players in the transfer window, but they've got so many to replace. Um, they're just going to be reliant on Wilfred Zaha yet again. Uh, so I think, yeah, be Three of the four I just mentioned, but I mean, I get it wrong most seasons, so who knows who's going to be down there. There could be a surprise this year. From my side, I'm just going to say I concur. It's early days. I think in terms of I think surprise package, there's still a few teams that I think it's hard to show up in the first week if they don't click. Um, and the Palace point's a good one. Palace have one or two ways. They're either going straight down or they'll surprise people, I think. And then when you mentioned Zaha, that it could end, it could get his move to Spurs if Kane goes. There's still a lot of dominoes to topple across there the There is. You think, yeah, the, the, this transfer window's got a few more surprises to come, I think. Um, and yeah, 
maybe, maybe Palace could surprise us. I I think they'll be right down the bottom, to be honest with you. I, I think a surprise package, and I don't even know if you can call it a surprise anymore because everyone's seen the players they've brought in, but Villa are definitely going to be one to watch this season. Yeah, they lost to Watford on the opening day, but anything can happen on the opening day of the season. Um, I think Villa really could be one to watch. They, 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 they could be up there, even possibly pushing for, for top six because um, they're not in Europe, so they don't have to deal with a number of games that the top six do. Um, West Ham also in Europe, who would be another one that people think maybe could compete up there, but their squad's too small and they're in Europe, so I think they're going to struggle this season. Um, and then Tottenham and Arsenal, uh, right now, like fine, Tottenham had a good win on the weekend, but I just don't see how they're going to push the top four, let alone for sort of fifth place, sixth maybe a push, but yeah, I think that could be that could be Vidas for the taking, maybe. Old prediction. Okay, well I'll yeah. probably, I'll say my top six breakers will be Brighton based on if they can convert the chances, which they managed to do at the weekend. Last season stats and it was like if they'd basically taken their chances, their expected goals per game and stuff, they would have been top four. Bizarre. Absolutely incredible bizarre. stat that incredible. They're ah. good to watch as well, Brighton. They and their manager is a smart guy. Like I, I really rate uh, Graham Potter. I think he's he's a good manager and he's he's one that's like learned and come up the hard way. And the, the job he did in Sweden with uh, uh, Ostersunds and you know bringing a club from sort of small leagues right up to the right up to the top and winning the Swedish Cup and getting into Europe and, and all the rest of it. Like he's done a great job and he's starting to see him sort of um build sort of his identity in that team at Brighton. So yeah, I'm I am i am not gonna say I think Brighton get top six, but they, they could have a much more comfortable season this year than what they, they have done. And then biggest transfer flop. Oh that's a that's a tough one, isn't it? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of <laughs> should money Madison go to Arsenal? Yeah, there's been a lot of money flung about already. Um, part of me would love it to be Grealish, but I don't. I think he's going to yeah. do really well. I think he's. I think he'll do, really do well. very well. Yeah, I don't see that one falling apart. Um, I think the signings Man United made are going to be solid as well. Varane, what signing that is for thirty-four million quid, and Jaden Sancho as well. I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see either of them flopping. Um, yeah, it's a t- it's a tough one that because you're going to get flops at like the smaller clubs. That's always going to happen. But yeah, are one of the big clubs going to have a have a real mare? Like, I mean, who's to say that Harry Kane's going to do well if he goes to Man City? It'd be surprising if he didn't, but. If he only returns sort of 10, 12 goals in a Man City shirt, that would be considered a, a huge flop, I think. I'm going to go Ben White. Arsenal. But yeah, I that's, think that's probably a fair shout. Um, and to be fair to Ben White... He's, I don't think it's his fault. No, the odds are against him already being in that team, I think. So, uh, yeah, I, but that's 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 maybe a good shout, I think. Um, ben White from Arsenal. We'll um, check, back, um, check back in six months and nine months and see how it's looking. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd probably be an Arsenal player or a Spurs player, I would have thought. Um, that said, a lot of pressure on Lukaku to go and score a lot of goals. I think he will, though. I think he's... I think he will as well, but if he doesn't, he's £98 million. Pounds, so... yeah, yeah, I mean, they, 
Chelsea. We've not even touched on Chelsea. That's a whole other. That's next week's episode. We'll do Chelsea <laughs> next yeah. week because European champions, which is mental when you think about how that season was looking for them last year. It's pretty incredible. Um, they are. Uh, they're no longer a dark horse for the title. I think they're right up there as one of the favourites. Uh, then Man City and Liverpool as well. I think because Liverpool suffered Again, awfully last year. Not, not even um, There's so much going on. If Van Dijk comes back and is in the same shape as he was before that injury, Liverpool have got every chance of being at the top of the league. Well, okay. I can just cut that wee bit there. Yeah, went silent and said, well. <laughs> uh, and that's time, I think. I think we've done all right. That's over an hour. We've managed to do our first podcast then. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Over an hour. Although, let's see see how much good content's left when you edit it. Uh, this think might just, go out as a 20-minute episode. I'll just I'll put all the giant gaps. These pauses. Heavy breathing. <laughs> uh, but no, thanks for listening, if you've joined in. I would love to say, like, hit subscribe. Make sure you give us... I, I don't even know what people do with podcasts. What do, what do they do? Do they... Do you subscribe to them on yeah, Spotify? I'm not sure. Yeah, you can subscribe to them, I think. And yeah, maybe maybe, maybe we should have like a, uh, a Twitter account or something as well. Yeah, maybe we should yeah. do this. But basically we're on, you should be finding this on, we're using Anchor to test this, which I know then pushes out to all the major podcasting platforms. So if you want to give us the review, give us the review. If you're Celtic and you don't want to give us a review and you give us a review because you're dirty, then don't do that. <laughs> That's not very nice. Um, there's a lot of nice Celtic fans out there, I've been told. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably get us about 50 one-star <laughs> reviews. Yeah, this could be the last episode we do. Yeah. But next week's agenda will be just more of the same shape, I hope. And we'll have oh, some updates yeah. on the European front. We'll know if Southampton have pulled the trigger on anyone in a good way, not a bad way. Hopefully they're not putting old Ralph out of his misery after a 9-0 defeat at the weekend. If we lose 9-0 again, he's got to go, let's be honest. <laughs> right, there's predictions. What's your match prediction? Southampton, my uh, United. I'm going to say we'll lose that game 4-1. 4-1. Who's your scorer? For Southampton, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Armstrong again. Uh, took his took his goal well on the weekend, and yeah, I think he'll do all right. And for our game against the mighty Armenian champions, I am going to say four nil. <laughs> Based Bold. on our stellar performances in Europe this season so far, <laughs> and I am going to say it will be a Morelos double with. A penalty from the captain Tav, and then maybe I think maybe a golden header. He's been getting a lot of flack. I would take that. So find it next week if we're right. Four nil and four one. Hopefully Andy's on the other side of that, but let's <laughs> we'll see. It's hoping. Right. Well, thanks for listening. See you later. Cheerio. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>